Amen. All right. Well, welcome everybody to a brand new series that we're doing here at Thrive Church. Before I introduce the series once again to all of you, I just want to say this. If you are new to Thrive, if you are new to church generally, never been to church before, maybe you're coming in from a different faith background or no background at all, you're just kind of curious. Maybe it's been years and years since you ever had anything to do with the church. We are so thrilled that you're here. And we hope that you find that Thrive Church is a safe place for you, a place where you can find some hope and some community as we begin this new week together. And if we can do anything for you, if you have any questions at all, you can always email us at info at thrivechurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you. So good to have each and every one of you here. And we are doing a series that we just started last week. It is called The Art of Healthy Relating. And I've got something quite artistic that I've set up here for us right now. I don't want to touch it right now, but we're going to use this in just a bit. But see, why are we doing a series on relationships right now called The Art of Healthy Relating? It's because during this pandemic, it's not just people who are getting sick and in some cases dying, but during this pandemic, relationships are getting sick and in some cases dying. I don't know if you know this, but family lawyers, lawyers who deal with divorces, they say that they have a name for the first Monday of every new year. Do you know what they call the first Monday of every new year? They call the first Monday of every new year Divorce Day. It's because on the first Monday of every new year, family lawyers say that they receive more calls from people inquiring about divorce on that first Monday of the year than any other day in the year. It's called Divorce Day. In fact, they've said that in the past two years since the pandemic began, they've received more calls on Divorce Day than any other year prior. And there's one divorce lawyer who even says that his client base has increased and grown by 30% ever since the pandemic started. And that he's had to hire five new lawyers just to keep up with the demand. In fact, he quoted, he's quoted as saying this. He said that this pandemic is throwing us a new curveball every three to four months. At the beginning of the pandemic, people were experiencing a lot of cabin fever, too much time with their spouse. But now the reasons for separating are shifting. People are divided on vaccinations, whether the children should be going to school during the pandemic. These are some of the issues now. In fact, researchers, they estimate that the divorce rate in Canada has probably doubled since the pandemic began, and that approximately 900,000 Canadians have reported getting a divorce since the pandemic began, and even more reporting that they've gone through some kind of separation. That's, over, that's almost a million divorces since COVID started. And see, as, uh, as I mentioned last week, there was a national study that was done just a few months ago that reported that almost 5 million Canadians have experienced a relationship breakup of some sort during the pandemic. That's a lot of breakups, 5 million breakups. That's, it's over, I'm through, we're done, I don't want you anymore, we're done, we're through, 5 million times. That's a lot of breakups. And see, as you can see, it's not just people who are getting sick and in some cases dying during this pandemic, but it's relationships that are getting sick and in some cases dying as well. And if you are struggling in your marriage or in another relationship we care about right now, the fact is you are not alone. And if you've gone through a kind of breakup during this pandemic, the point of the series is not to point fingers at you and to make you feel bad and say, how could that happen? See, we're here to look forward and see how can we put ourselves in a better position for healthy, healthier relationships in the future. That's what this series is all about. And see, here at Thrive, we want to see people in our church family and people in our wider community, in our city, in our nation. We want to see people healthy, not just physically healthy, but emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, and relationally healthy. And that's why we have this series called The art of healthy relating. 
And see, this series is not just for married couples, although we're going to be talking quite a bit about marriage because it tends to be one of the more complicated of relationships. It's also for those who just want better relationships with people at home or maybe better relationships with people at work or better relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And we hope you find this series helpful. In fact, if you have any questions specifically you want to ask during the series, you can always text us that question at 604-285-5770 or you can go to mythrive.info and send that question to us on a no-names basis. And we can't promise that we'll get to every single question uh, right away, but we're going to certainly try to do so over the next several weeks as we do this series called The Art of Healthy Relating. And see, at the same time, if you are really struggling right now, if your marriage is really struggling right now, if your relationship with that person is really struggling right now, then I encourage you, don't stay silent. Don't face it alone, but get help. Talk to someone safe about what you're going through. Find a counselor. Do whatever you need to do to find help. It's always better to find help early than too late. If you believe it, say amen. See, we're looking at different keys to experiencing a new horizon in your relationships. Welcome, everybody, to the art of healthy relating. Would you turn to him and say, you're a work of art? You're a work of art. You're a piece of art. And we're talking, talking today about the second key to healthier relationships. Last week, we talked about the importance of intentionality. Today, I've got key number two to talk to you about. It's called the importance of self-care. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, take care of yourself? Take care of yourself. See, we're talking today about the importance of self-care. What is self-care? See, self-care is you taking the initiative to care for your own health and well-being. It's you going out of your way to say, okay, I'm going to take care of my health. I'm going to take care of my well-being. And it doesn't mean that you have to be selfish about it. It doesn't mean that all you care about in life is yourself. That's not what we talk about when we talk about self-care. We're talking about how do you take care of yourself so that you can do a better job of taking care of your relationships and the people in your life. See, maybe you grew up in a home or in a culture where people didn't really take time and space for themselves. They would just work, work, work. They're just workaholics. And maybe you grew up in an environment where busyness was born as a badge of honor. That the busier you were, that meant the more important you were. And as a result, there wasn't really any time to rest or to relax. And if you did take any time to rest or relax, you were seen as lazy or selfish because of it. Did you grow up in an environment like that? Or maybe you, know, you grew up in a home where when people did try to do so-called self-care, it wasn't very healthy. It wasn't very productive. Maybe you know, you're a parent of yours drank a lot, and that was their way to do so-called self-care. And as a result, you know, a lot of unproductive and very negative things happened in the home. Maybe you're used to taking care of yourself or not yourself, but everyone except yourself where, you know, you're taking care of your kids. You're taking care of this person. You're taking care of your dad. You're taking care of your mom. You're taking care of all these people and you're always running around taking care of others, but you don't really take care of yourself. Maybe you're the kind of person who puts a lot of pressure on yourself to feel like you can never rest where you always have to keep moving. You always have to keep on going and such that you always, you know, find yourself, you know, pretty frustrated, pretty stressed, but you just don't know what else to do. If that's you, maybe you find that the idea of self care is foreign to you, other than maybe occasionally taking a shower or maybe putting on some makeup. You find that self-care is just something you don't know very much about. We're going to talk about self-care today. See, why do you find that sometimes we hesitate to talk about self-care in the church? Well, I think maybe it's because sometimes people will think that by talking about self-care, we're going to turn to very self-centered people self-consumed people, all about me, 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 where we kind of put ourselves ahead of others. And, and we hear verses like what Jesus says, where it says, if, if he says, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. And we interpret that to me. Oh, maybe that means that I can't, I can't think about myself. I shouldn't care about myself at all. You know, self-care is not important. It's even maybe wrong, or maybe it's unspiritual to think about self-care. But what's the danger 
of not talking about self-care. The danger of not talking about self-care is that we just become not very good at taking care of ourselves. And when we're not very good at taking care of ourselves, we don't do ourselves or the people around us a very good service. It's because self-care is so important to relationships. And the question is why? Let me give you four reasons why self-care is so important. Let me ask you to write this down, take good notes today. Number one, first reason why self-care is so important. It's because the health and quality of your relationships depends on how well you take care of yourself. See, believe it or not, if you want your relationships to be healthy and to be of good quality, you need to take care of yourself. And there's a relationship between those two. And for more on that, I wanted to show you this piece of art right here, this Tower of Cups. But I thought, you know, just to be safe, because we've got a lot of equipment here and it's a small space, we thought instead we're going to show it to you using this video. So let's check out this video right now. All right. So this is a Tower of Cups. Now, I want you to imagine that this top cup is you. And this second layer, this represents your closest relationship. Now, I'm going to use marriage as the context here because it's the easiest one to explain. I want you to imagine the top cup is you. This second layer is your marriage. This is you and your spouse, your relationship. And the third layer is your kids. Eeny, meeny, miny, and maybe Mo is down the road sometime. But here we go. It's you, your marriage, your kids. You're going to find this a lot of times we treat relationships this way. So it's all about the kids. We're focused all on the kids. And if there's time, if we have got a little bit of energy, maybe we'll focus on the marriage and we'll lastly put ourselves at the bottom. And that sounds really spiritual. That sounds very Christian, so selfless, so sacrificial. But in actual fact, relationships in reality work more like this, is that you can only give to your marriage and to your kids what you first have in you. You can only give what you have, you can't give what you don't have. And the Bible even says that your heart is the wellspring of life. That's why you have to guard it. It's because everything flows from your heart and it flows into your relationships. That's why Jesus says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's the idea that it all starts from you. And so you wanna do this, is if you want to have a healthy marriage and healthy kids, it, it matters how you take care of yourself. And when you take care of yourself well and you are full, you're able to give to the marriage and then in turn, the marriage can give to the kids. And so it looks hopefully something like this. Let's see if this works. Are you ready? You're gonna fill yourself up and then the marriage and then the kids. Let's see if it works. Here we go. Here we go. So we're filling you up. There we go. All right. And then now the marriage is getting full. Okay, look at that. Uh, this kid is getting a lot for some reason. Okay, uh, there we go. Keep on going. All right. Okay, so here we go. The marriage is getting full. All right. And the kids, this kid is being neglected for some reason, but we'll uh, just pretend that they're being full as well. And there you go. Here you go. So it's this idea that it all starts with what you have to give. And if you're empty, if you're like this cup and you've just got nothing to give, then you're going to find that it's very hard to do anything with your marriage. It's really hard to have a healthy marriage when you yourself are empty. It's really tough to have a full, healthy family when you yourself are empty. That's why it's so important to take care of you. That's the importance of self-care. Praise God. That's great. 
they went through a lot of work to try to figure out a tower of cups that could work that way. Much, much appreciation to them. But here we go. Is We're talking about how you can take care of yourself and how that impacts your relationships. Because it is really the case that whatever is filling you is going to overflow into your relationships. And if what is filling you is not healthy, guess what is gonna flow into your marriage or your close relationships? What, guess what's gonna get to your kids? It's stuff that's not very healthy. And if you, are, you know, you know, if you are in that place where you realize that maybe what you're doing is you are trying to give out of an empty cup, or you're trying to give, but you're not very healthy, then you know what? It's gonna affect your relationships, whether you like it or not. That's why you gotta take care of yourself. You know, Dr. Gloria Lee, she is a registered psychologist and family counselor who has counseled hundreds of couples here in the Lower Mainland over the past 25 years. And this is what she writes about self-care. She writes this, she says, it is no surprise that when you practice self-care, you have a better relationship with your partner. When you take care of yourself, you become healthier mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. You become the best version of yourself. This is how you show up in your relationship. You have more to give. A lack of self-care is one of the most toxic elements of an unhealthy relationship. Couples who do not attune to themselves and take care of their needs are the most stressed out, unhappy, resentful, unhealthy, addicted, and dissatisfied with their relationships. Both partners are depleted and unable to give. Self-care is the foundation of a healthy, grounded, and long-lasting relationship. Caring for others or caring for yourself extends to how you care for your partner. See, long before psychologists and counselors and registered therapists were talking about the importance of self-care in relationships, the Bible was talking about the importance of self-care. Look at Proverbs 4, 23 with me right now. What does it say? It says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. We turn to him and say, I need to guard my heart. You need to guard your heart because out of it flows everything else and it flows into your relationships. That's the first reason why self-care is so important. It's because the quality and health of your relationships depends on how well you take care of yourself. Reason number two why self-care is so important is because learning to care for yourself is part of growing up and maturing. See, 1 Timothy 5.23 says it this way. It says, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. You know, 1 Timothy, if you're wondering, is a letter from a guy called Paul who is a church planter. He's a missionary. He's a pastor. And he has been planting different churches in different cities. And there's one church in the city of Ephesus where he has assigned one of his closest disciples, his name is Timothy, to go and to pastor that church. Timothy's a young guy. He's a young leader. And so 1 Timothy, this letter is Paul giving advice to Timothy on how to take care of the church, how to lead and take care of his church family. And yet in the middle of this letter called 1 Timothy, where it's all about how you take care of the church family, how do you lead this church family, Paul takes time to talk to Timothy about self-care. He says, stop drinking only water, use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. It's because Timothy had some issues with the stomach, you know, maybe some digestive issues, maybe some anxiety issues. And he's like, you know what? No, take care of yourself. It's, it's, it's like Paul's saying, to Timothy, don't get so busy caring for others that you forget to care about yourself. Because the fact is, if you're not good at taking care of yourself, you're not going to last taking care of others. See, mature leaders don't just take good care of others. Mature leaders take good care of themselves. 
And see, if you're someone who is all about, I give, I give, I give, I give, I give, and you, take, and you don't take any care of yourself and you expect others to somehow read your mind and you expect others to know your needs and you expect others to take care of you, whether it's your spouse or your parents or God, you think you, someone needs to take care of me. Well, you know what? You know what? That's, not, you know, that's not a sign of maturity. That's a sign of immaturity. Is that, is that you're not taking responsibility for your own care and as a result, everyone loses. See, healthy self-care is an exercise in maturity. It's you saying, you know, I'm not going to depend on someone else to make me happy or to make me healthy, but I'm going to take ownership of my health and my happiness. That's called being mature. That's called being independent. Healthy self-care is when, when you do it well, it's an exercise in humility. It's saying, you know, I recognize that I am not Superman or Superwoman. I need rest too. Self-care, when you do it well, is an exercise in self-confidence and in your self-worth. It's you saying, you know, I recognize that God loves me and that he's not just concerned for what I do. He's also concerned of who I am. And so I'm not going to feel guilty or bad about taking care of myself as well, if you believe that say amen. amen. That's reason number two. Reason number three, why self-care is so important is because self-care is crucial to your long-term effectiveness. Is that if you want to last a long time leading and caring for others, then you need to take care of yourself. You know, earlier I said that our approach to self-care is often influenced by the people that we grew up with, the environment, the home that we grew up in. See, my dad, he's what you would call here at Thrive a strong 28. It's because here at Thrive, we think that we say that there's only three ages. No matter what your birth certificate says, there are only three ages here at Thrive. You're either 8, 18, or 28. It's because we believe that with Jesus, we can have a youthful heart. And you know, my dad, he's a strong 28. So he's up there in years. And you know, one lesson I've learned about from my dad, one lesson is about taking time for self-care. See, part of, I think, one of the reasons why my dad, you know, has, you know, lasted as long as he has and has done very well for himself and his profession and other areas is not just because of God's grace. No, oh, he's just a lucky guy. It's not just because he's worked really hard, although he works very hard. But another reason is because he takes good care of himself or he takes time for self-care. Is that he works very hard during the week on the weekdays. You know, if it's a weekday day and I try to call him, so, sometimes he hardly has any time to talk. He's so focused on what he needs to do for work. But often when I call him, at night or calm on a weekend. I'll ask him, hey, what are you up to? He'll say, nothing, not doing anything. And when he says nothing, he doesn't really mean nothing because the fact is he's, he's probably doing something. He's learning a new instrument. He's learning a new song on the piano. He's maybe learning another skill, something new to keep his mind fresh. I remember a few years ago, I really felt the need to sleep in because, you know, we've got young kids in the house. It's really tough to sleep in. And so I arranged to go to my parents' house for one night to sleep in there. I was so looking forward to sleeping in. Oh, I could really use some extra sleep. I can maybe sleep till maybe 8 or 9 a.m. and that'll be so good for me. And so I arranged to go to my parents' house for the first time in over a decade to sleep at my parents' house. It was a little weird, but I went to my, 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 my sister's room, which was empty. It's, it's, it's still got a bed there. I, was, I slept in, my, in, 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 in that room. And I remember at 5.30 a.m. the next morning, I hear this music blaring through the floor. Like I thought it was, a, I thought it was an earthquake. It was so loud. I was like, oh, what is that? And then I, I started listening and I was like, hey, I, I recognize that music. It's like, da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. It's the video game Super Mario Brothers. I was like, who is playing video games at 5.30 a.m. in the morning? It's my dad. 
My dad was playing Super Mario Brothers at 5.30 in the a.m. I was a little bit annoyed because I was hoping to sleep in and I couldn't sleep in, but at least I've learned from that that my dad, not only does he work hard, but he plays hard as well. And see, in fact, during the past 20 years, my dad has never taken a formal vacation, but he doesn't need to because he's playing every day. And see, here's the thing. It, it, it helps to be, you know, if you want to be effective for the long term, it's about learning to take care of yourself. See, that's the third reason why self-care is so important. Fourth reason why self-care is important. Write this down. Self-care is your weapon against anxiety, depression, and burnout. See, a few days ago, the Center of Addiction and Mental Health, they're the largest mental health teaching hospital in Canada. They released some findings which show that people's anxiety and depression levels right now are as high as they were when the pandemic first began. Are you feeling that right now as well? It's almost like you thought things were going to get better. Now it feels like the rug has been pulled and like, oh, like we don't know when this is all going to end. And you feel that stress almost like it was all from the beginning again. And see, in terms of sources of stress during the pandemic, there was another national study that was asking, what is stressing Canadians out right now during this pandemic? And this was a few months ago. And the study identified the five biggest stressors for Canadians during the pandemic. Let's count them down, five to one, all right? Number five, biggest stressor of, for Canadians is relational stress, stress in relationships. Number four is trying to find a balance between work and the rest of your life. That's the fourth biggest stressor. The third biggest stressor is financial stress, worrying about money. Number two is the rise in the number of COVID cases that are happening. And the number one biggest stressor is cabin fever. It's the feeling of being cooped up inside. You're not able to get out. You're not able to see people the way you want to see people. You're not able to do the things you're, you, that, that, that you want to do. You feel stuck inside. Hey, sp- anyone experienced cabin fever during this pandemic? You know, speaking of cabin fever, do you know who in the Bible probably had the biggest case of cabin fever ever? I was thinking about this the other day. You know who probably had the biggest case of cabin fever ever in the Bible? His name is Noah. You know, Noah and the ark, you know how at the beginning of the pandemic, and even recently, you'll hear about how cruise ships are stranded for maybe five days or seven days or 10 days because there's a COVID outbreak on the ship. And so they can't let the, the passengers disembark. And so everyone's panicking. People are you know, you know, just complaining. There's serious cabin fever. Do you know how many days Noah was stuck in the ark with his family and a bunch of stinky animals? Do you know how many? Over 400 days. 400 days stuck with your family, your in-laws, and a bunch of stinky animals. Could you imagine being Noah? Oh, talk about cabin fever, man. Oh, like, I can imagine being Noah going, man, when is this going to end? Every day, I'm staring at the butt of this hairy horse. Every day, I'm sitting in between this crazy loud monkey. And on my right is this pig that does not stop stinking. When can we get out of here? And, and there's nowhere to go. Can, can, can we stop over somewhere? No, uh, we can't. We can't. Can we go anywhere? No, because the world as he's known it has been inundated by a flood. And so he's stuck inside. Talk about cabin fever. But see, you know, what the Bible says that when the flood waters receded, do you know when they finally came out of that quarantine, do you know what was the, one of the first things that Noah did when he got out? He binged on drinking. <laughs> you know what happened? Look at Genesis 9, 20, 21. It says, after the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground. He planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he had made and he became drunk and laid naked inside his tent. See, it signals to me, you know, Noah, he, he was so stressed by his time on the boat that like all he could think of doing is I'm going to go and I, I need to find a bar. And since there is no bar, I'm going to make my own bar. And he drank himself silly and just go 
goes to show that you know, you, Noah probably could have done a better job of taking care of himself during that time. Paul told Timothy, use a little bit of wine. Noah used a little bit more than a little bit of wine. And see, here's the thing. If we, what's the lesson in all that? Is that if we don't know how to self-care, if we don't know how to take care of ourselves, we will eventually spin out of control. Is that we, if, we don't, if we don't get good at self-care, we will allow the anxiety, the worry, the stress, the depression, the burnout to get to us. That's Noah in a boat in a storm. Let's contrast that to Jesus. Jesus, he is in a boat in the middle of a storm in Mark chapter 4, 37 and 38. Read it with me. What does it say? It says, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? See, what's going on? They're in the middle of a storm. It's a squall. It's a huge storm in the middle of the ocean, and they're on a boat. And even while his disciples are working hard and struggling at the oars and even panicking and worrying, what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping in the middle of the storm while his, uh, his disciples are, 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 are panicking and working hard. And, and, and there's, there's a couple angles that people sometimes take on this passage. One is that, well, you know, was Jesus really sleeping? Was maybe Jesus really maybe sleeping with one eye open? Because really he was just wanting to test his disciples and test their faith. I know that there's, see, there, there's some validity to that, but I want to come at another angle. See, I believe this. I believe that Jesus was legitimately tired. He's a, he's a busy man. He's legitimately tired. And so he's sleeping in the boat because he needs to sleep. He's taking time for self-care. And see, I gotta got be you know, really frank with you. If I was Jesus, I think, and I'm, I'm leading a team and we're in a boat in a storm, I think I would have a tough time. I think I would be a little too self-conscious to sleep while I see my team working hard. And, and it's because like, you know, I, I feel, oh, you know, I, that, I, I can't do that. I, I, need to, I need to show that I'm a leader. I, I need to grab an oar and paddle as hard as anybody else and, and step even longer than anyone else. I got to lead by example. But you know, Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus was secure in who he was. Jesus was secure in his leadership. He basically was saying, you know what? It's a storm. We're in a boat. I'm going to let the disciples do what they can do. And later on, I'm going to do what I can do what only I can do. And that's exactly what he did. It's because Jesus took the time for self-care. He took good care of himself. Proverbs 25, 28 says it this way. It says, a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. See, it's this idea that especially in a time when people are stressed, there's a lot of stuff we can't control. There's high anxiety, anxiety levels right now. You need to find ways to care for yourself so that you can last through this and last a long time. Amen? And see, don't get me wrong. The reason why we're talking about self-care today is not so that you can become the super self-centered person who's all about me, 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 me. And, and if all you're doing right now is self-care and you don't think of anyone else, then, you, you, then, then, then you, you, you ought to keep in mind, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how you can take care of yourself so that you can be a better lover of God and of people so that you can have healthier relationships with those that are around you, so that you can love them to the best of your ability. Does that mean that you always need to be 100% full and, you know, you know, in every area? No, but it means take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. You know, maybe you're here and you work really hard as a spouse or as a parent or taking care of someone else in your life. But if you had to be really honest with yourself, it's like you've lost the joy of doing it. There's no joy in it anymore. For you, it's a job. For you, it's a chore. For you, it's a responsibility that, you don't, that, that doesn't excite you anymore. And it's just like, you know, you don't enjoy it. It's just like, I have to do this. And let me tell you this, you might feel guilty for feeling that way, but can I tell you this? 
is that the reason you're here is not because you're a bad parent or a bad spouse. It may simply be, maybe just maybe, a lack of self-care. Is that you need to find a different way to approach this, where you realize that if, for, if I want my marriage to be full, and if I want my kids to be full, then I can't be empty. I have to, I have to take care of myself so that I have something to give to the people around me. If you believe that, say amen. And so how do you do that? How do you practice self-care well? Let me end today by giving you five keys for practicing self-care well. You hopefully write these down. Number one, recognize your need for self-care and communicate about it with your loved one. Recognize you've got a need for self-care and communicate about it. Talk to your loved one about it and come up with a plan. See, Matthew 26, 37 to 38, this is the night before Jesus' worst day. The night before Jesus would be, you know, sentenced to death, crucified on a cross, and he knows all that is coming up. And so he's stressed, he's anxious, he's sad. And this is what he says to his disciples. Verse 37 says, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. See what's going on. Jesus was not afraid to admit when he needed care. Jesus was not afraid to admit his need and to recognize it and to communicate it with those that he loved and say, can you help me out this way? And see, two weeks ago, there was some confusion around the province of BC about when a person is supposed to self-isolate once they've, you know, once they've contracted COVID or once they seem to have symptoms along those lines. How long should we self-isolate for? When? That was all kind of unclear. And the Center for Disease Control, they even issued an apology for the unclear communication. Let me ask you this question. Is there unclear communication in your home when you can self-isolate, i.e. when you can have time to yourself? Is there unclear communication or confusion about, is it okay for me to take time off? Is it okay for me to sleep in? Is it okay for me to do this for myself? If that's so, then I encourage you to talk about it. Don't just assume the other person can read your mind or know what you're doing. And also, don't just leave and abandon everyone and go away for a month and go see ya. No, talk about it with the people in your home. Make it clear that, okay, we have this need. How can we do something about it? Come to a compromise. Talk about it respectfully. Do it gently. Do it lovingly. Work out a schedule in advance. But JB, oh, what if they don't understand? What if they don't let me take any time off? Let me tell you this. Say you've tried your best to communicate with this person in a loving way. You recognize the need. You've communicated about it. You've tried to talk with them about it in a loving way and make some compromises and plan things ahead of time. And still they protest and go, no, 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 no. We're not letting you go. You know what? If that's, what, if that's you, what should you do? Let me give you a suggestion is don't let them hold you hostage. Do what you need to do for self-care within reason and then let it be, if, if, if anything, a wake-up call to your home to say, okay, this person needs rest as well, right? That's about recognizing the need and communicating about it. That's the first tip for how to do self-care well. Recognize the need, communicate it about with your loved one. Number two, make self-care a system. In other words, build self-care into your regular routine. Last Sunday, I shared with you how when I was pretty desperate for some rest, my wife and I, we agreed that I would take three plus days on my own at, at the home, just a staycation by myself while Charlene took the boys skiing at Whistler. 
And you know what? Those three plus days were so good. Oh, so quiet. Oh my goodness. Don't get me wrong. I love my kids, but it was one of those things where I, I hadn't had that in, I don't know, like years and years and years. And so to, to have that was amazing for me and it filled me up in a really cool way. But here's the thing. And, and when, I go, when I saw them again, it's like, you know, I missed them and I, I had something to give. But here, here's the thing. Realistically, how often can we do that? Realistically, how often can I let Char take the boys to Whistler to ski while I just stay at home by myself and have my own little party? How, 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 is that, like, how often can we do that? Not that often at all. If we did that you know, you know, in, with any kind of regularity, once a week, once a month, you know, we would go crazy, my, my wife would go crazy and we would go broke. That's what would happen. And see, what, what we need is a sustainable system where Charlene and I regularly allow ourselves to get some rest. And see, one of the, the amazing things about God in the Bible is that God cares for your rest. In fact, so much of the biblical story is about how God works hard so that we could rest, so that we could have a rest that we could not get ourselves. That's what the cross is all about. How when we couldn't reach God, God reached for us. He died on the cross for our sins so that we could have a rest from him, a rest from our work that we couldn't get ourselves. God cares for your rest. Tell me to say, God cares for your rest. God cares for your rest. And see, God didn't make you to wait until you are absolutely empty and desperate before you rest. Instead, God encourages us, his word encourages us to have a system. See, look at Exodus 34, 21. It says, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. It's saying this, no matter what the season is, you want to take time to rest on a regular basis. It's a system. Now, some people might say, oh, you know what? I'm okay. I'm not desperate yet. I'm not dead yet. And so I'll just keep on going. I'll, I'll think about resting later. Let me tell you this. Once I lent a car to someone, it was my own car. And when they returned it, I looked at how much gas was left in the tank. And, you know, it was, I would say, just under half full. All right, just under half full. I was like, you know, okay, I think I've got enough. And so I take my son in the car. We go, we travel, and, and we're in the car, and we're on a bridge. And all of a sudden, when we're on the bridge, I can feel the car losing power. I can feel the car slowing down. I'm like, oh my goodness. And the, the gas meter was not at empty. It was just a little bit under half full. I'm like, what is happening? And it turned out that the gas meter was wrong. It was inaccurate. And what happened is not only was it stress, not only was it embarrassing, but even more, it was trouble, not just for me, but for every car behind me. I'm on a bridge and I'm stuck and everyone behind me is now stalled and there's now a bottleneck on the bridge and it took an hour for us to solve it. But it was one of those things where, you know what? Maybe you're here and you don't have a system for self-care. And you just wait for yourself to crash. You're waiting for that signal to go beep, 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 beep. Yo, don't wait for that. See, because when you do that, you could crash even before you know it. You, you can crash before you even expect to crash. And not only will it be troublesome for you, but it'll be troublesome for all those behind you who depend on you as well. And see, now I've got a system with this car especially, is that whenever the gas tank is at half full, that's, when, that's my signal to go fill up again. I'm not gonna wait for some signal. I'm not gonna wait for you know, flashing lights. I'm gonna go when it's half full, I'm gonna get filled up again. See, don't wait until you are completely empty before you fill up again. Have a system in place. Turn your name and say, I need a system. I need a system. Pastor Rick Warren, he says it this way. He, say, he, he puts it this way. Divert daily, 
withdraw weekly, abandon annually. In other words, every day, like my dad says, have a diversion. You know, have something that you can do that's different from what you normally do that refreshes you. Divert daily, withdraw weekly. Every week, try to take a day off and then abandon annually. Every year, take a vacation. Here's my system, if you're wondering. Is my system is, on Mondays, I'll try to make that my day off as much as possible. And if you're wondering, you know, what's the worst day to try to contact me? It's Monday. <laughs> and if you are able to contact me, if I contact you on a Monday, it is a miracle Monday because you know, usually no one contacts me on Monday because I just don't let them because that's just my time to just rest. And see, every day after I send the boys to school, I'll start the morning with prayer. It's because prayer is not just something I give to God. Prayer is something I do for me is that my relationship with God gives me a peace that nothing else I do can give. And when I connect with God and I give my burdens to God and I'm real with God and I talk to God, it's my game time. It's my God and me experience time. And that refreshes me every single morning in a way that nothing else does. And so I do that as part of my system of self-care when I, after I send the boys to, to, to school. You know, I'll take time to exercise almost every day. It's part of my self-care system. You know, I'll work hard throughout the day and into the evening. And after everything is done, you know, you know, at some Sometime in the night, I will try to stop and rest. I might pop open a ginger ale. I might watch a movie, and it's about getting ready for the next day. And I'll try to go to bed at not a crazy, crazy hour, because at this age, being a strong 28 myself now, it's like you know, sleeping past 12 a.m. is not always a good thing. And see, it's, this is my system. It's a simple system. But one of the benefits of having a system is that you don't have to think about it so much anymore. It's like it's there, and you just go with it. And see, you, how about you? Do you have a system? Your system doesn't need to be exactly like mine. It doesn't have to be anything like mine. But I encourage you to find a system that works for you. Author James Clear says this. He says, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. What does that mean? That, you know, especially at the beginning of every year, we have all these big news resolutions. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go down two sizes. You know, I'm going to grow in my relationship with God. I'm going to work out. And, and you know what? It's one of those where we have all these big goals, but then after a month, they're gone. It's like, it's like, it's, 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 it's like we never made those goals. And, and here's the thing. It's not those, how big the goals you set that counts. What counts is your system. What are you doing every day? Because what you're doing every day, that system is what's going to determine where you go. And so we don't rise to our goals, we fall to our system. Do you have a system for self-care? If you don't have a system for self-care, it doesn't matter how many goals you set and how much you say, oh, I want to have self-care, I want to have rest. It doesn't matter because you need a system. Have a system in place. That's number two. Number three, if you want to practice self-care well, use the time you get for yourself wisely. In other words, do what really refreshes you. Here's a question for you. When you get time to yourself, how well do you use that time? See, do you do things that actually refresh you or do they just end up draining you even more? See, the worst thing that we can do with time to ourselves is use it poorly. See, if, you, if all you do with the time you get to yourself, that little short time you have to yourself, if all you do is you go on social media and you compare how your life sucks compared to the friends who have all these different great things going on, then guess what? And you're just feeling worse about yourself. That is not a good use of your time to yourself. You know, if all you do when you have time to yourself is you go on your phone and you just surf the net, you're binging on the news, you're doom scrolling, you're worrying more, you're getting anxious more with all the different things you're hearing on the news and you're not getting rest, that is not a good use of your time to yourself. Maybe if all you do when you have time to yourself is you consume things that you enjoy, 
but then you have a tough time controlling yourself when you enjoy them. Is that you find yourself losing control and getting addicted, then guess what? You gotta find a better way to do self-care. Because see, we need to be careful with self-care. We need to be careful with how we self-care. Proverbs 10, five says it this way, make hay while the sun shines, that's smart. Go fishing during harvest, that's stupid. See, what's that mean? What does that mean? Is you want to make the most of the time you have. Do not waste it. Don't waste the precious time you have to yourself doing something that is not productive, that doesn't do anything for you. Use it for good. And see, in fact, this coming week in your small groups, we're going to give you guys an opportunity to assess how are you doing when it comes to self-care and to look at some of the things you're doing for self-care and ask yourself, is this really helping me or is this actually hurting me? Now, because we're all wired differently. I can't tell you exactly what you should do for the time that you take to yourself. Because what refreshes me might be really boring to you. Or what refreshes you might be really stressful for me. For example, do, like, do, if, you, if you want to have a good time with me, don't take me to an escape room. All right? Escape rooms, right? Like, I find that, you know, I find that I am daily trying to work through issues, solve problems. Every day kind of feels like an escape room in some ways for me. Take me to escape room for fun. That is not fun for me. Maybe it's fun for you. Do what refreshes you. See, we're all kind of different that way. But no matter what, I encourage you to keep a few general principles in mind. One is this. Do things that invigorate and refresh you. Maybe it's about getting some fresh air. Maybe it's getting some exercise. Maybe it's playing some music. Maybe it's go and play a sport that you love. Maybe it's just to be still and just don't do very much at all. Whatever it is to refresh you. By the way, how do you know if that activity refreshes you? Ideally, it ref- you know it refreshes you because ideally, it lets you take your mind off of what you usually think about. It's, you can almost get lost in it because it's like you're, you, you enjoy it, you're so into it so much. And when you finish, you don't feel more tired, you feel invigorated. See, that's what, when you know that an activity is helpful and refreshing to you. And if you're still having trouble thinking of things to refresh you, there's another series we did, you know, just about a year and a half ago, in October of 2020, we did a series called Happier You, Keys to a Happier You. And there's one message called Take Ownership of Your Happiness, October 25, 2020, which talks a little bit more about that. But that's the idea, that's the idea of do things that refresh and invigorate you. Another thing is don't be afraid to try new things. A few months ago, we talked about how your brain has neuroplasticity is that it, it's, it's able to take in so much more. And so do not be someone who's always stuck in the same rut, doing the same thing. Try new things because that's all part of refreshing yourself. Number four, if you want to practice self-care well, try to take care of all aspects of your health, not just one aspect. You see, when you think about doing self-care, what do you naturally think about? Is it shopping? Is it napping? Is it getting a manicure? Is it going for a coffee with your friends? What do you think about when you think of self-care? Let me ask you, whatever it is that you think about for self-care, remember this, whatever your first thought is about self-care, remember there are other aspects of your life that also require care. 3 John 1, 2 says it this way. It says, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. See, what is John saying? He's saying to his church that I pray that you would have health physically, that you would have health emotionally, and that you'd have health spiritually. It's the idea that the Bible recognizes there are different 
parts to you that require care. There's the physical, there's the emotional, there's the mental, there's the spiritual, just to name a few. And we can't go into all the different ways that you can take care of yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Let me just say this. If you don't know how to take care of yourself seriously, we're so glad that you're here. That's why we have something here called Thrive Disciple School Level 2, Growing in My Relationship with God. And Thrive Disciple School Level 2, Grow My Relationship with God, is all about how do you take care of yourself spiritually so you can grow in your relationship with God and have a vibrant relationship with God. You can sign up at mythrive.info for Thrive Disciple School Level 2. But see, what's the point in all this? The point is, make sure you're not focusing only on one aspect of your health while ignoring the others. It's one thing I'll do almost every day nowadays is I might be sitting in my car or sitting on the couch, and I'll try to gauge myself in four areas. In a scale of one to 10, 10 being I'm feeling good, I'm feeling happy, healthy, strong, one being I'm about to die, I'm not doing very well at all, between one and 10, I will give myself a score in four areas. How do I feel physically? How do I feel emotionally? How do I feel mentally? And how do I feel spiritually? And if my lowest score is in the physical, I know, okay, that's where I need to focus on it right now. I'm going to take a nap. You know, if my lowest score is in the emotional category, then I'll think, okay, what can I do to help me with my emotions right now? Maybe it's calling a friend and just talking. You know, if my lowest score is mentally, I'm just really drained mentally, then I'll try to do something that doesn't require a whole lot of think, thinking. I'll maybe wash some dishes or, you know, I'll, play, I'll listen to some music. If, if my lowest score is in the spiritual, then I'll spend time in prayer or listen to a sermon. It's about attending to the different parts of you and making sure that every part is healthy. Amen? Number five, and we're gonna close. If you wanna do self-care well, recognize this last part. Number five, recognize your loved one's need for self-care too. See, you ought to remember, the reason we're talking about self-care today is so that you can be a better lover of the people in your life. So that you can be a better husband, a better wife, a better mom, a better dad, a better caretaker of the people in your life. And just as you have a need for self-care, guess what? Your loved one has a need for self-care as well. And so don't just be thinking about you and what you need. Think about them and maybe the ways that they need to do some self-care as well. And you can check up on them. Ask them about it. You know, how are you doing emotionally these days? How are you doing physically? How are you feeling physically these days? Like, how are you feeling like, in terms of you know, mentally? Do you feel energized? Do you feel invigorated? Like, like, how do you feel spiritually? Where are you at spiritually right now? Talk about it and check in with them and make sure that you're giving them the time to do what they need to do as well. Philippians 2, 4 says this. It says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You see, the reason why Jesus practiced self-care was ultimately not for his sake. It was for our sake. It's so that he would be ready to fulfill the mission that his father gave him, which was to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And see, that's what he did for us. And he would take care of himself for the mission. He would take care of himself for us. And see, maybe you're here and you're new to church and you're new to all this stuff about Jesus and the Bible. Can I tell you this? If there's nothing else you get from this, get this, is that God loves you and cares about you. So much so that when we had no way of reaching God, that God reached for us 
by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. Because our sins separate us from God. Our sins are us doing things our way, not God's way. Saying, God, to hell with what you think. I'm going to do things our, my way. And because of that, we are, we're lost. We're, we're, we're separate from God. We have no peace. We have no purpose. We have no satisfaction. We have no hope. But because God didn't want to leave us that way, he sent Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for our sins, to die on the cross for us, so that we could be forgiven. And not only did Jesus die on the cross, but on the third day after he was buried, he rose again to show that you can place your full trust in Jesus and what he says. And that the hope we have in Jesus isn't just for today or tomorrow, it's forever. And it's with that in mind that if you have never opened up your heart to Jesus and asked him for his forgiveness, can I tell you this today? The most self-caring thing that you can do is ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and to invite him into your life and have a relationship with him. Start a relationship with Jesus because it's the most self-caring thing you can do. The best thing you can do to take care of you is to have Jesus in your life. And so with that in mind, if you realize that that's something that you could use and you've never opened up your heart to Jesus before, ask him for forgiveness. You don't need to have gone to church all your life to do this. You, maybe this is your first time ever in a church. You can do this as well. And what you can do, you can pray a simple prayer that I want to lead you in right now. And it's not so much the words you speak as the attitude of your heart. That said, sometimes it really helps to have something to read. And so if that's you and you realize you need to pray this prayer, you to ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, then I encourage you right now to click the link that's in your chat room. Or scan the QR code that's on your screen. It's going to take you to a page with a prayer on it that I would love to lead you in so that you're not doing this on your own. I'm going to pray this prayer with you. And for those of you who prayed this prayer before, I encourage you to pray it with those who are praying it for the first time. Let's, let's care for them this way and support them this way right now. So if that's you, don't hesitate. Click that link, scan that QR code, and we're going to pray this prayer together to ask Jesus Christ for his forgiveness and to ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives, to be the one that only he can be, which is our savior, our king. And so let's do this together right now. Would you pray this prayer right now? You say, dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, then guess what? According to the Bible, you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. It's that simple. It's not based on what you do. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done for you. And if that was you, you prayed that prayer just now, a huge congratulations to you. In fact, can we give a congratulations to all those who prayed that prayer just now? Praise God. And... We've got some gifts that we'd love to give you to congratulate you on this big decision. Uh, you can go down to the bottom of the page with that prayer on it. At the same time, we encourage you in terms of your next steps to keep coming to church. Every baby needs a family to grow up and we'd love to be your spiritual family. And on top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. It's not saying, oh, I have no more questions. I'm so committed to Jesus. Look, It's about how Jesus is committed to me, how he died on the cross for me and how I believe it and receive it. If that's you, then I encourage you to get baptized. It's your next step after receiving Jesus. You can go to MyFab.com info, press the button that called baptism for more info on baptism. Good morning, Thrive. Welcome to Thrive Church. My name is Christine and I hope you had a fantastic time today at Thrive Church Online. Before we end off, let's jump into some announcements and take a look at what's coming up here at Thrive. 
If this is your first time joining us, we're so excited that you're here with us today. We want to show you how much we appreciate you being here today by giving you a Thrive Stainless Steel Water Bottle. Please connect with us by texting NEW to 604-285-5770 or by visiting MyThrive.info and click NEW to Thrive so that we can mail you a water bottle. You may have prayed the prayer earlier today to receive Jesus. Congratulations! Share your great news with us by visiting MyThrive.info and click I want to receive Jesus today or text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. We want to help you build your relationship with God and so prepared a gift and great biblical content for you to enjoy while answering some of your questions about Christianity. Small Groups is a place where you can get connected. I highly encourage you if you haven't yet to join a small group. We meet regularly on Zoom to encourage one another and grow together. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to MyThrive.info to sign up. It's always super exciting when we start a brand new message series. As we're getting into the art of healthy relating, I'd like to encourage you to submit any of your questions you may have about relationships on MyThrive.info or by texting 604-285-5770. Thank you for all of your generous offerings this past year. We're truly so blessed to have such an amazing church family. And let's continue to grow into the new year. For 2021 donation tax receipts, we will email it to you on Thursday, February 4th. If you didn't receive it or have any questions, please email us at info at thrivechurch.ca. All right, so that concludes our announcements today. If you believe in the mission of Thrive and would like to contribute towards it, I highly encourage you to head on over to mythrive.info and click online giving. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of the week. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday right here at Thrive Church Online. See you soon. Bye.